electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the road to the Reddit rebellion and the revenge of the retail traders. How did we get here? Robin Hood's chief legal officer, Dan Gallagher, draws a map. We wanted retail to come back into the market. Since the 70s, retail participation has declined. Robinhood's upending that almost by itself. And Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez making a red carpet splash at the Met Gala. My dress said tax the rich, too. Those stories, plus update your phones. You don't think the exploits are coming at you? My Q rating is not as high as yours. It's Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Today, we're starting our podcast on the red carpet. Hundreds of celebrities convened on Fifth Avenue in New York City for the fashion event of the year. It's back, the Met Gala. YouTube stars, musicians, actors, and even politicians. This year's theme... In America, a lexicon of fashion. One big style statement came from Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wore a dress designed by Aurora James of Brother Bellies that by now, just the next morning, has nearly broken the internet. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a white, off-the-shoulder gown, understated in the front, with the words, Tax the Rich, displayed in huge red lettering across the back. The irony being that tickets to the Met Gala go for around $35,000 apiece. Ocasio-Cortez wasn't the only politician there and not the only one making a statement. Fellow New York Representative Carolyn Maloney attended in a purple, white, and gold gown celebrating the suffrage movement. AOC revealed on social media that her dress was borrowed, and she and Maloney, as members of the local New York delegation to Congress, likely didn't pay for their tickets. But this is all happening while congressional Democrats are fighting for a tax hike on the wealthy. Here's the congresswoman on her fashion and history statement. When Aurora and I were first kind of partnered, we really started having a conversation about what it means to be working class women of color at the Met. And we said, you know, we can't just play along, but we need to break the fourth wall and challenge some of the institutions. You know, while the Met is known for its its spectacle, we should have a conversation about it. Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin digested the Met Ball red carpet this morning. Here's Joe. How do you get invited to that gala? That um, You didn't go. There are too many people, number one. But have you ever you been? Know, my, you ever? my dress said tax the rich, too. And they, I'm not surprised. And, but and, uh, isn't she great? I'm not going to talk about her because they say Republicans, that's all they like to do is talk about her. But she is a, she's the, the real celebrity politician. She, she, there are no laws or anything, but she really is a celebrity politician. It's amazing. Um, she's awesome. She has figured out how to work, <laughs> work us, the media, yeah. just as well as the former and, and, president. And, and, How about and I, that? And I know that she knew that, um, that the tone, probably, it wouldn't be taken as a great thing to go to a $30,000 That's why she that. did it. The whole point of it was to go and be a billboard. 
was to, okay. to have this Does conversation. We're going to have to share the, the picture irony, later. I think is the question. Yeah, that, uh, Andrew doesn't understand the irony. That's, oh, that's I get the I, no. The irony is the but the irony is the brilliance of the marketing of it all. I mean, as you know, I I, I disagree with the message. But what do you mean you disagree with the message? I don't I don't love it because I don't love the idea of taxing. You the have rich Abigail Disney on and you no, no, and you I don't love and the idea of taxing you, the rich for the sake of taxing the rich. It's a thirty to fifty thousand dollar ticket. You have Chris Hughes on and, and you, <laughs> you just there. you ask them and you're not on their side when they're no, on. No, no, because I think there's a, there's two different messages. One is you can say well, to yourself, how much to money does the country need and how do we do that? In well, a, where's in the, the right wealth? You didn't do any of the wealth tax on your. The other message is a completely different message, which is. If, if you're wealthy, you're terrible, and therefore we want to tax you. No, That's a different it, message. It, it, if you you're wealthy and you're able to spend thirty to fifty thousand dollars on a ticket to be at this ball, that's the point. Celebrity right? politician. She does. I, does she go to Washington and actually try to do laws, or not really? I don't. Think. The better question, though, and more important news, Joseph, mm-hmm. is whether you have updated your iPhone overnight because of uh, yeah. Uh, this was a shocker. I think I'm okay, but uh, we'll see. Can you do it immediately? You don't think you're a high-value target? You don't think you're, you're... I actually don't. You don't think the exploits are... Uh, I actually don't think I am. ...are coming at you? I don't think that many people really... My Q rating is not that not as high as yours. That's for sure. Um, the company urging customers to install a new security update amid a potential security breach concerns. A research group is warning... Uh, that an Israeli spyware company developed a way to take over nearly any Apple phone, computer, or watch the malicious uh, software that takes control of a device by first sending a message through Apple's iMessage app and then hacking uh, through a flaw in how the company processes uh, images. Researchers say the group has been exploiting the vulnerability uh, since February. The head of the Litecoin Foundation says that the group screwed up, in their words, when one of its employees retweeted a false announcement about a partnership with Walmart. That statement said that the world's largest retailer would begin accepting crypto, the Litecoin crypto, as a form of payment online. That led to a nearly 30 percent spike in the price of Litecoin. Walmart quickly issued a statement saying the press release was fake and says it's now looking at how it was issued. Litecoin, you know, jumping, seeing that big spike. And guys, this would be something where the SEC could probably try and figure out who profited, who sold during those times and maybe try and trace some of this back. Except that we haven't decided that a crypto is a security. And so I'm not sure whether it's regulated by the SEC. And this is what's so wrong about this Wild West that's happening right now. But well, that's an argument for it being regulated, right? In some form or another, but who's the agency that's supposed to regulate that? If it's not a security, it's got to be a security. Is it the CFTC well, it, that's supposed what, to regulate what is, that? What is Litecoin? How does it work? Is it blockchain? Is it? Yeah, it's, a blo- it's, 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 it's a it's a blockchain. Blockchain. Yeah. So it's like a it's like Bitcoin. I mean, there's a Bitcoin element I mean, to stable it. Stable coins. There's you know, like I said, I know a little bit about Bitcoin, but uh, any of the other stuff, I've. I mean, there's no rationale for Dogecoin. Is there a rationale for Litecoin? I'm sure there is. And, and the rationale for, for Dogecoin, Dogecoin was to tell a joke. That was the rationale. I guess in the NFT world, then that's really all you need. Meanwhile, Intuit is buying digital marketing company MailChimp for about $12 billion in cash and stock. It's the biggest acquisition ever. Uh, last year, the maker of TurboTax and QuickBooks uh, bought uh, Credit Karma for just over $7 billion. Founded 20 years ago, MailChimp sort of small and mid-sized businesses with half of its revenue coming from outside the United States. I tried to figure out what the hell MailChimp was. Did, have you, had you heard of it before this? Yes. Really, you've, you've dealt with MailChimp? 
MailChimp. I've been uh, dealing with MailChimp for years. They, they the never raised apes it. and the MailChimps. They never raised any money. And these guys. I know. They bootstrapped the whole thing. It's amazing. It's a great story. It really is. And now you right. never received an email that was from MailChimp at the bottom? I like, didn't look at the Probably like bottom. thousands of emails. I, I'm afraid to open up emails I don't recognize. Can't I be hacked? That's, that's when my Apple phone will get hacked by the... By the MailChimps? By the MailChimps. No, the MailChimps and the Bored Apes. But, and the, so these guys, there's two of them. They're unrelated. They're not worth, no, but the $12 billion? Yeah. It's a great story. And what does and it allow... And they should be taxed at what, the same what, time. What, 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 <laughs> yeah, but not carried interest. See that, Becky? No. Good, good piece in, the, in yeah. the journal today. Democrats get a lot of money now from carrying interest. So it's like, oh. That's the one that manages to slip through every tax reform bill. Every yeah, but, but they talk about it. You, don't, you know, I, I'm not sure because it, it's a great, vibrant industry that I, I worry about the unintended consequences and other partnerships. So I'm not, uh, look, but the Democrats are absolutely sure you need to do it unless, until it starts lining their pockets in terms of political. I, don't I think it's a disgrace. Great days to be a lobbyist. You know what do you mean you don't understand? You totally understand. It's a disgrace. But you totally understand why. It's shameful. totally understand why. They're now, that's where they, that's their. I don't even accept that I can understand why because I find it so shameful. That's part of the problem is that you you won't admit why. And the reason why is because they line the Democrat. That's big campaign contributions. Yes, I think it's disgusting. Okay. What else do you want me to tell you? I don't know. You sway those people one way or another, they get them on. I clearly have to do more work on this. Next on Squawk Pod, the road to the retail rebellion, the money, trades, and laws that set the stage for Robin Hood with the company's chief legal officer, Dan Gallagher. Payment for order flow is not new. It's been around since the 80s. The SEC has studied it. They've mandated disclosures. What's new here is no commission trading. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. 2021 has been the year the memes came to Wall Street. Now it's up 100. Again, over $440. Back in January, the sharp rise in the stock price of a few companies beloved by retail traders on Reddit message boards like Wall Street Bets. Yeah, GameStop. It all took Wall Street by surprise. Here's what our Squawk Box TV broadcast sounded like on January 27th of this year. I'm speechless, and I remain speechless. There's something remarkable about watching the little guy beat the big guy, sure, but uh, that assumes the game's over, and it's it's not clear that the game is, is even remotely over. 
crazy, crazy Twitter commentary. Robinhood, the free trading app, was the platform of choice for much of this new crowd of retail investors, spurred by the ease of the interface and maybe the extra time afforded by the pandemic. But the company made a decision amid all this price volatility to restrict activity in the meme stocks while it was trying to meet its own financial obligations. And that got CEO Vlad Tenev and a few others in front of the House Financial Services Committee. Why did Robinhood restrict the buying, but not the selling, of GameStop? In a high-profile hearing in February. Look, I'm sorry for what happened. Um, I apologize. And I'm not going to say that Robinhood did everything perfect. And Since then, a key part of Robinhood's model, a practice called payment for order flow, or you'll hear it as PFOF, rolls right off the tongue, really started to capture attention. Payment for order flow. Payment for order flow. Payment for order flow. How does the flow work? A brokerage like Robinhood receives payment from a market maker, a hedge fund like Citadel Securities, for directing the order to them. And this is how Robinhood and other brokers can offer the zero commission trading favored by younger investors. It used to cost hundreds of dollars just to make one trade. As the market maker for Robinhood in the GameStop January drama, Ken Griffin, CEO of Citadel, was asked to explain it to lawmakers. We simply play by the rules of the road. Payment for order flow has been expressly approved by the SEC. It is a customary practice within the industry. If they choose to change the rules of the road, we need to drive on the left side versus the right side. That's fine with us. I do believe that payment for order flow has been an important source of innovation in the industry. Robinhood went public in July, and payment for order flow stayed top of mind. Here's Vlad Tenev to our Andrew Ross Sorkin on the day of the IPO. We're going to have to keep uh, a dialogue with the public, with the with the media about what payment for order flow is. I think you've probably seen me over the past couple of months engaging more openly uh, in the topic. And the truth is, uh, I think it could be better explained and we we could continue to do that. And I think uh, we'll continue defending it as something that has led to a much greater diverse uh, set of people participating in the markets. But regulators are looking at this investor innovation closely. Here's what the new chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission, Gary Gensler, said on Squawk Box about the retail revolution just last month. And if people want to take risk, that's all right. But what we want to do is provide them some of the basic protections against fraud and manipulation. The trading platforms they're on are not currently under a, a, a regulatory regime that protects them like they're trading on the New York Stock Exchange. It just isn't. And I think those are gaps, and I think that's not good for investors, and I don't think it's good for the technology. And following that, Gensler told Barron's that payment for order flow specifically has what he calls an inherent conflict of interest. So banning it by the SEC, it's not off the table. On Squawk Box, Andrew spoke to Dan Gallagher, Robin Hood's chief legal officer and a former SEC commissioner himself. And he defended the back-end payments that brokerages receive for directing clients' trades to market makers, saying it benefits retail investors. Here's Andrew with Dan Gallagher. Good morning to you, Dan. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is uh, rocked uh, the marketplace, the debate over payment for order flow coming uh 
into uh, relief, if you will, or, or high relief uh, in, in, in this whole situation around uh, GameStop and, and what that conversation's created. But uh, curious what you thought of and, and whether you believe right now it really is on the table. Has there been communication between uh, your firm and the SEC over payment for order flow? Yeah, look, undoubtedly, uh, it is on the table. When Gary says something like that, uh, Chairman Gensler, uh, it, it's uh, for sure. And, you know, in my heart, though, Andrew, and, you know, I've got a lot of experience at the SEC, I think they're going to take a deep look at this issue. I think they have to, by law, go through a very uh, arduous process, right? They have to go through notice and comment rulemaking. They have to take comments in. They have to study this issue. And when they do that, and this will take time, but when they do that, they're going to arrive at the conclusion that payment for order flow is undoubtedly an amazingly good thing for retail investors, and they're not going to ban it. So I I think we're going to go through a process here. We look forward to engaging with the SEC, with Chairman Gensler and his staff on these issues. But I I think that the overwhelming evidence uh, that we see is that payment for order flow is so good for retail investing. And from our perspective at Robinhood, it's the lifeblood of no commission no minimum balance brokerage. This is what has brought in a whole new generation of investors, millions and millions of investors. Speak to this issue, though, when we've talked to Ken Griffin at Citadel. The retail investor has a better execution than they can on exchange across the orders that we execute for them. And for the retail brokerage firms, they have an important source of revenue that helps to fuel their business model. And uh, the CEO of Virtue on the other side, both of whom provide this service of payment for order flow. We are providing a price that is at or better than the national best bid or best offer. So better than you could get it on exchange. And every single broker, including Robinhood, is routing, making those routing decisions with that in mind and only that in mind. Do you believe, as, a, as apparently Gary Gensler does, that your customers are not necessarily getting the best possible price they could? I, I think we're getting excellent prices for our customers. I think our execution quality statistics prove that out. I think you've heard Doug Sifu very convincingly and clearly show the numbers, which uh, clearly lay out that the price improvement for retail customers when using wholesale market makers is much better than you'd get on exchanges. So, you know, again, I think the overwhelming evidence here is that the current market structure works well for retail Dan, investors. if you're right, though, why do you think Gary Gensler is not just putting it on the table, but he has been pretty blunt about his view that there is a possibility that customers are not getting the, quote, best price. Now, best price is different than an excellent price. That's, that's, a, that's a separate component of this. And then the other issue on top of it is what kind of data firms like Citadel are really getting and how they may or may not be using that data. And, of course, we've heard from firms, uh, from those firms saying they don't use that data, but nonetheless... Uh, Gary Gensler seeming to take the side of some of the folks on Reddit and others that have questioned that. Yeah, look, on the the data issue, you should know that the amount of data that the wholesalers receive as we send the orders over is very, very limited. It's very specific to the order being executed. And again, Doug Sifu, I think, would uh, be the most clear on that issue so far, that they're not using data for any purpose other than to execute the order. And uh, but look, it's a good issue. I'm not saying any of this is not. Uh, ripe or interesting for the SEC to look at. I do think, Andrew, to go back to your your first statement about this being related to GameStop, it's not related to GameStop. This is a, a false narrative, like so many other false narratives happen here in Washington, that somehow payment for order flow or gamification 
uh, was the, the reason for the GameStop January 28th uh, saga, right? You know, there was a false narrative about what happened on that day. There was a false narrative of collusion between hedge funds and retail firms like ours. When that was proven to be false, everyone moved on to something else that's been sitting around in the gadfly universe for years. But clearly one of the issues is how much effectively the Citadels of Virtue are skimming off the top uh, and, and what that really means to the customer. Now, it may, it may very well be that that's still a good deal. I, I don't I, I, you're not going to you won't dissuade me from the view that it might actually be a very good deal. But how do you convince the public of that when there are going to be times where the, the customer is going to lose? It may be on the whole that everybody wins, but on a very micro level, it may be different. Right. Yeah, look, I, I think the customers, uh, we need to be clear in our communications with customers about our protocols, right? The way we o- route orders has nothing to do with the amount of payment for order flow we receive. We charge the same to all the market makers, and we route our orders to the, to the market center that's going to give our customer the best execution. And so, again, we need to be uh, clear about that. But I think the notion of skimming off the top, what we're really talking about here, Andrew, is a spread, right? A spread between the bid and the ask as represented by the NBBO, the National Best Bid and Offer. The market maker captures some, they give some of that to us in PFOF and they give uh, a price improvement to the customers. And that's, that's as old as, uh, as time memorial here that you, know, you capture the spread as Sure, an but I think one of, the, one of the things that people are saying is actually that the, the quote unquote best price, that there's flexibility, if you will, in what the best price actually is. Yeah, well, I think that's what I've heard from uh, Chairman Gensler's statements. Is the NBBO vibrant enough? Is it reflective of the market activity such that that spread is narrow as as it could be? And I think that's an excellent issue for the SEC to study. Uh, You know, one issue that that we at Robinhood uh, have put out there is that subpenny pricing on exchanges could help this. That could narrow spreads. Not exactly a statement in our own interest, right? Uh, but what, one that's good for our customers. And so we're going to support and engage in any discussions that result in tighter spreads and, and better execution quality for our customers. What would happen to the business if Gary Gensler and the SEC were to come to the conclusion that payment for order flow was not something they were willing to support anymore? You know, uh, you know Andrew, I, as I said, we're going to go through a long process here. I mean, a, a proper process here takes a long time. Uh, I don't think they're going to come out to that conclusion because I think, again, the evidence is so strong that payment for order flow is good for retail. Um, but, you know, when we get to that point, which will probably be, you know, well more than a year from now, we'll, we'll have to look at all alternatives on the table. Dan, as somebody who thinks about public policy and, and the public at large, what do you make of the, the, the usage of the services of Robinhood uh, by the public in terms of this meme stock phenomenon? Uh, the arguments that it's been gamified, the arguments that there are a lot of new folks that have gotten online, which may be a good thing in, in some cases for the markets, but also uh, may mean that they're not as educated as you'd want them to be about these issues and the risks. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Andrew, I, I'm on behalf of our customers insulted every time I hear this, right? The notion that our customers are stupid, uh, that they need protection, they need the government and the nanny state to come out and save them from making bad decisions. I think they're insulted. They, of course, have never had a voice before, right? They were not engaged in our markets. Uh, they were ignored by traditional Wall Street. They were ignored by the wealthy you know, in a system that was created to perpetuate access only by the wealthy. Here comes Robinhood, gets rid of commissions, by the way. And this is funny. 
when we talk about payment for order flow, payment for order flow is not new. It's been around since the 80s. The SEC has studied it. They've mandated disclosures uh, around it. What's new here is no commission trading. I was looking at the numbers, the publicly available numbers in the five years or so leading up to the, to the elimination of commissions in 2019 by, by all the major uh, retail brokers. You know, about $13 billion in commissions were charged to investors. Robinhood comes along, upsets that apple cart, and guess what? That money goes back to investors. So not, not only have we engaged them, have we brought them in? We've let them do it in a cheap manner, right? Uh, we haven't charged commissions. We haven't charged uh, account minimums or special fees. And it's engaged this whole new demographic. And Andrew, you know, when I was on the commission, I gave speeches. Uh, my Democrat colleagues gave speeches. It was not a partisan issue. We wanted retail to come back into the markets. Since the 70s, the number of retail participation has declined. Robinhood's upending that almost by itself. How do you feel, though, about what might be described as the social media enabled um, sort of runs on stocks and some of the commentary that you hear uh, from folks on social media around certain meme stocks? You can think of an AMC or a GameStop or others where arguably and even the CEO of AMC would would argue to you that the economics of the actual business have become disconnected from the stock prices. Yeah, look, this is a big issue. This is the real issue, I think, that the commission should be focused on coming out of January 28th. And, and again, nothing is new in Washington, Andrew. When I was an intern at the SEC working in the enforcement division in the 90s, I worked on the first internet enforcement case. And in that case, I was reading Yahoo Finance boards about a pump and dump in the bulletin board stocks. And, you know, that's the same thing. We have a third party provider, you know, here it was uh, Reddit and in certain pages on Reddit in January, providing a forum for people to exercise their First Amendment and to exchange ideas. And that drove market activity, undoubtedly. And the SEC has a real hard time, you know, regulating that. There's no authority to regulate it. And then going in and figuring out who's a malfeasor and who's not. Very, very hard, very time consuming. And I think so if you were if you were back in that job, Dan, how would you do it? And how do you balance the, the First Amendment rights that everybody should have? Look, people come on our program and they uh, talk up stocks. They talk down stocks. They talk their book. Now, hopefully they disclose and we require and ask them uh, questions about where they're coming from and why they're why they're taking these positions. But how do you think about that? You know, look, if I was back there, I would be making sure that the enforcement division was taking a hard look at all of the folks who lied, who lied around all of this activity in late January, who said, I'm, I'm diamond hands, but they were selling, uh, you know, who, who put out false accusations, by the way. And there's some pretty high profile people who simply put out false accusations, some involving us about the market activity uh, that day. I'd be looking at those cases and I'd be bringing enforcement cases. I would let people know you can't just freely go out and, and lie and manipulate a market in that way. And so I, I hope and expect they're doing that, Andrew, but it takes I don't know time. if you're referring to this, but I think you may be. Uh, would you be bringing, therefore, a case against somebody like Dave Portnoy, who, who made an allegation effectively against, against the company, suggesting that you were in cahoots with Citadel? Uh, I'm not going to talk about any specific false allegations, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would be looking hard at all of them. We're going to leave the conversation there. Dan, it's great to see you this morning. I uh, hope we can continue this conversation on the air. Uh, in the very f- in the future uh, as this uh, continues on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You bet. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. 
Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. And that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, tell us what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or send us a tweet anytime at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.